You're listening to the Nature Talks podcast, a podcast about education and connecting learners of all ages with the outdoors and nature. My name is Kevin O'Shea and I'm your host. I'm an early years educator with a passion for connecting kids and adults with the outdoors. I'm a passionate naturalist who spends as much time as I can exploring nature, learning about plants, birds, and bugs, and then sharing my amazing experiences with others. In each episode of the Nature Talks podcast, we'll have conversations with people making education connections with students and nature. More than any other time in history, we need to be sparking a passion for conservation and sustainability with the young and old alike. In this podcast, we'll talk to educators, students, scientists, and citizens making a difference in the world today. Sit back and get ready to learn something new and exciting about nature education. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of the Nature Talks podcast, a podcast all about environmental education. My name is Kevin O'Shea, and I am an early years educator and an environmental educator that has been working internationally for a long, long time. Now, hey, folks, welcome back to the Nature Talks podcast. It has been an extremely long time. This is episode two. Episode one was put out almost half a year ago, and a lot of you may be wondering, hey, what happened there? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of things happen there, but um, I won't get into details, but I basically want to change the format of what I envisioned this podcast being initially, and I think by changing that initial kind of vision, I'm going to be able to be more consistent with episodes and producing this podcast. Now, initially, how I planned it was having weekly interviews with educators around the world to talk about how they're making their their imprint on environmental education, nature education, and just teaching children and adults around the world about conservation, biodiversity, all of those very important things. But I learned, because of the fact that I am based in China, I am in the city of Shenzhen, China at the moment, that because of technical issues such as needing to use VPNs, virtual virtual, um, private networks, in order to really access the full internet and to be able to communicate with people, um, having uh, weak home internet, not always able to get to my school campus when scheduling interviews, it, it made it really challenging. And I got to admit, it was a bit demoralizing. So uh, I put this podcast on the shelf for some time. And now we're back because I'm just I'm just itching to get the word out there about environmental education. So the way this is going to work moving forward is that some weeks I will be interviewing other educators, experts, scientists, and some weeks it will just be me, Kevin, talking about my experiences in environmental education, my experiences in the natural world, being uh, an entomology bug guy, a birder, being a gardener, all those things that are really critical and important to connecting young learners with uh, the outside world. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to be doing. And in this episode of the Nature Talks podcast, I'm going to be talking about why, in my opinion, I think all teachers should have at least some experience in gardening, especially teachers that are going to be teaching children, uh, young adults out there or other adults about biodiversity conservation and using gardening or growing things as a tool, um, you know, in order to teach those lessons. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you a little bit about my gardening backstory 
how I got interested in gardening. It's something that I have to admit, I have a lot of fun with. Uh, outside of school, just at home, it's something that I really enjoy learning about and I enjoy becoming more adept at, more skilled at, and more knowledgeable about. So let's step back in time. So here we are. It is December of 2021. And I have to admit that growing up in Eastern Canada, which is where I'm from, uh, I had a father who was an avid gardener, and we lived in a fairly cold climate, that uh, Nova Scotia in Canada. So the growing season was quite limited. But each year, my father would have a relatively large garden in the backyard. And this was not a raised bed type garden. It was in the, in the ground, in the soil. And he would grow a lot of root vegetables, things like onions, things like carrots, um, the growing season was essentially from July till kind of near the end of August. So it was quite short. He wasn't someone who was into starting seedlings in, indoors and moving them outdoors. So he would plant like from seed in July or maybe in June. And, uh, you know, but he always had, he was, he was a pretty adept gardener, which was pretty cool. But I wasn't really so much interested in gardening. He would make me go outside and pull weeds. That's, those are my memories. Um, fast forward. Um, into my adult life, I had become an educator. And most of my career has been spent internationally. Now, uh, I lived in Japan, and I lived in the city of Kobe, Japan, which is, uh, and one thing I'm going to have to educate myself a little bit more is about different zones and growing zones, because a lot of you out there who are really interested in gardening um, may know the different zones and understand them. That's something I'm still learning about. See, it's, it's constantly evolving my skills as a gardener, my knowledge. Uh, now, I lived in Kobe, which I know is along the same kind of latitude if you're in, in the United States as Virginia. So it's, it's a relatively warm climate, uh, very mild winters, very rare that the temperature would ever get below zero, maybe once or twice in a winter. It usually hovered around anywhere from two to 10 degrees in the winter. That's Celsius. Now, what... And in, in, in that case, when I lived in Kobe, Japan, we lived in an apartment, my wife and I, and then, you know, future family. And we lived on a 10th floor apartment, 14th floor apartment, I should say. And we had a, a relatively small balcony, and my wife really enjoyed gardening. And we would grow things on the balcony, mostly things like tomatoes and basil. And that's where I had my first kind of very important lessons as a gardener, as a parent, and as a teacher about understanding the importance of showing children where food comes from. Now, most of my students lived in large urban areas and had little if no access to um, rural environments. Uh, they lived in large apartments, as one does in most urban areas. And they had a lot of parents who had no interest in gardening. Uh, you know, they had balconies, but with no gardens on them. So a lot of the children didn't really have any kind of concept of where food came from. Uh, so what was really wonderful was I can vividly remember growing tomatoes on my balcony. And what was really cool is when my son was attending kindergarten in Japan, they eat lunches called bento boxes. Now, a bento box is essentially, in English translation, is a lunchbox. But in Japan, they're a bit more fancy. Uh, you have your onigiri, your rice balls, and different types of vegetables, a little bit of meat, very balanced, but also made to look very cute and desirable. So children will want to eat their lunches. And, um, you know, there is a factor called the kawaii factor, which in Japanese means cute. You want to make it look really cute. But we would often, we would always have fruit and vegetables in his lunchbox, in my son's lunchbox. And one thing I can remember was when he was three years old, going out onto the balcony, and this was part of his 
routine each day when we had tomatoes uh, growing, he would go, uh, we taught him how to go to the balcony and choose the right, the ripe tomatoes, the ones that were red. And he would pick two or three tomatoes and the little fellow would, would waddle back into the apartment and he would go up to the sink and he'd pull up a step and he would wash his tomatoes uh, in the sink and he'd pull the calyx, little green part off the top and wash them, hand wash them. And then he'd bring them to his mother and she would have him place them in his lunchbox. And he always talked about how they were so much more delicious because he picked them. So what an incredible lesson right there, learning that this delicious food grows from a plant that we can grow at our house, how to take care of it, how to water it. That's one thing we would have him do is water the tomatoes and that he would then reap the benefits, reap the rewards of his hard work. And he knew, he understood very clearly where tomatoes came from. So that was kind of a a really important lesson for me. Now, moving forward, one thing that I learned from growing in this kind of temperate climate was that there weren't a lot of insect pests where I, I lived. We had aphids, and those were usually pretty easy to manage um, simply by spraying some kind of organic spray on it or maybe a, a soap and water solution, and that took care of, of business. And that was really about the limit of the pest experiences that we would have. We would have experiences where I would go to a local park sometimes during ladybug season and when they were all over the grass with my son, and we'd handpick ladybugs and put them in a bug box, bring them back to our balcony and strategically place them all around our tomato plants. And they would do a fantastic job of eliminating the aphids in the most natural and organic of ways. Um, one thing you're going to learn uh, as the Nature, po- Nature Talks podcast progresses is I have a big background in entomology, so I love bugs, and um, I will try to talk about them as much as possible. Um, yeah, so moving forward, you know, I spent 10 years in Japan, essentially, you know, gardening, teaching, connecting kids with with the outdoors. And then my family and I moved to Beijing, China. Now, when we moved to Beijing, we were only there for two years, but what we quickly learned was due to the air pollution, we didn't want to grow things outside. We had a small balcony, but um, I would it was kind of a fruitless effort to try to keep that thing clean. There was so much pollution and dust in the air that that balcony would just be covered in a layer of dirt and grime within a week of, of scrubbing it clean. So if that was gonna happen, there was no way I was going to plant outside on my balcony. So I didn't, and I attempted container gardening indoors, but just because of that climate, um, it was really hard to get ventilation in our house. The air quality index, the AQI, was often so high that we had to to seal up our windows with tape and seal up that apartment as as tight as possible. So without proper air circulation, even the plants growing in containers would often form mold on the soil, and it was was very uh, a challenging and painful experience to try to garden. So fast forward a couple of years, I moved to the city of Shenzhen, China. And Shenzhen is a brilliant place, beautiful city, but it is next to Hong Kong and it is a subtropical climate. So it's essentially warm all year long and it is extremely humid in the spring, summer and fall and temperatures are in the 40s Celsius. And what I quickly discovered with the apartment that I live in, I live in a very large apartment with a very large balcony on the side of a mountain and container gardening is is the only option. So it's really important to if you're going to be living in a city, if you're going to be working with students, that container gardening is probably where you're going to be. And container gardening is a very different beast than planting in the ground. So what I suggest is when you do learn more about gardening is to kind of really focus on container gardening. Unless you work in a school that has a lot of land, you have a plot where you can actually have a garden. Um, container gardening tends to work a lot when you are using gardening as a tool of edu- for educating during a unit of inquiry, maybe a science unit of inquiry. If you work in an international baccalaureate school, a sharing the planet, unit of inquiry, that type of thing. So 
I set up containers and, uh, you know, started growing some things. And what I quickly noticed was I had no idea how to grow things in such a hot and humid climate. What I did foolishly is I had brought a bunch of seeds um, from Ontario, Canada, from different nurseries um, to Shenzhen. And uh, first of all, uh, learned that you shouldn't do that. Don't transport seeds. Um, number two, <laughs> um, seeds that are designed to grow in a climate like Ontario, Canada, will not grow here well at all because they're just not designed. The plants aren't bred to grow in such a climate. So you need to find seeds and plants that grow in the specific climate you live in. So I had a, a lot of failure. Then COVID came along. So then obviously um, I, I'd, I'd left uh, China. I moved back to Japan. What we thought was very temporary move. Uh, my wife is Japanese and we ended up being there for nine months. Um, but gardening did pass the time while we lived in Japan. We definitely bought some tomato seedlings at some uh, home and garden centers and grew those and at the Airbnbs where we were staying. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Fast forward, we get back to uh, China, back in Shenzhen. Um, I get these massive containers from my balcony, start growing things like cucumbers, um, eggplants, a variety of chili peppers, tomatoes, and very quickly they start to grow. And that's one of the advantages of living in such a warm and hot climate. But unfortunately, there's more than just aphids to contend with when you live in a very hot climate, unlike in Japan or in Canada. Uh, my garden was inundated with all means and manner of beasties that were just ravaging and destroying everything. And I couldn't keep up with it. Um, you know, doing the research, trying to figure out how can I combat all these pests. I had aphids. Um, you know, I know how to contend with those. Something that was especially evil were called leaf miners. And a leaf miner is a very small insect that you can barely see that lays its eggs on the surface of a leaf and its larvae burrow into the leaf between the two membranes, the bottom and top membrane. And there they live inside the leaf, mining, um, you know, a network of chambers and holes through your leaf. And what that looks like when you look at the surface of your leaf is you use a lot of white squiggly lines on your leaf. Now, the problem is, is because those little bugs are in between the membranes, you can spray stuff on your leaves. It's not going to affect them because they're safe inside the leaf. Those are especially evil. Um, I had caterpillars. I had moths lay caterpillars all over my plants, which would just, again, destroy them so quickly. You know, I could go to work in the morning, go to school in the morning and, and do a, a quick cursory check of my plants on my balcony. And they looked all right and come back late in the afternoon after classes to learn that, to see that, you know, most of the leaves on a plant may be gone. Um, yeah, uh, I had... Uh, a, a strain of chili peppers that were resistant to pests and they really worked well, but then they started dying and I couldn't figure out why. Was I overwatering them? Was I underwatering them? I don't think so. Um, eventually they died. I dug up the garden bed to find a whole bunch of beetle larvae in the soil. So those beetle larvae, a beetle had laid their eggs in the soil. They burrowed down into the soil and the larvae were eating all of the roots. So it, it's a big learning process. So that's a bit of where I'm at. Constantly learning, constantly studying, constantly having to do this. So uh, jumping back to last year, I started running some gardening nature ASAs, after school activities at my school, and we did a lot of planting and gardening. We also do a lot of gardening with my classes. I'm, I'm currently a kindergarten teacher, and I personally don't believe that 
we should only garden during a specific unit of inquiry. But gardening and growing things is something that we should do all year long with our classes because it really excites them. And it's, it's something that's very uh, energizing, especially for the younger children. And I like starting seedlings and having them take them home. Um, and, and growing things constantly in a, in a garden space I have by my classroom. But there's always so many lessons to be learned. So long story short, what I think is the teachers should always get their feet wet in the gardening world long before they're a unit of inquiry with a group of children. Or maybe that unit of inquiry is the first time they start planting, but they should continue along. And I'm, I'm not advocating that you become an expert or as into gardening, say, for example, as I am. But having a basic knowledge of gardening is going to make you much more effective in teaching the importance of it to children. Because obviously in this day and age especially, we want to not only encourage our children to enjoy nature, we want to really truly connect them with the natural world. We want them to advocate for biodiversity, for conservation, to really understand as they get older the importance of organic uh, farming, of the harm that pesticides and different chemical fertilizers can have on the environment, on the insect biomass, which then affects bird populations, all of those things. And again, by, by knowing more about gardening, um, you know, you definitely, you guys can have some more fun, uh, personally at home with your families, teaching your own children. If you have some about gardening, um, teaching friends about it, or just, you know, there's nothing more satisfying as an adult um, to grow something at home and then harvest that and consume it yourself. There's nothing more satisfying than growing your own lettuce and, and using that in a salad at home. There's nothing more satisfying as an adult than growing your own tomatoes and basil and using those to make a pizza. And, and, and I know that these are activities that we often will do with children. The concept of growing tomatoes and basil and then making like, um, you know, uh, a marinara pizza with your, your kids. It's, it's an awesome lesson for them, but it's an awesome lesson for you as well. And when you actually understand more of, uh, you know, how to garden, you understand a bit more about the pests and how to manage pests. You can share that knowledge with your kids and your, your knowledge and experience seems a lot more credible with them, you know, um, because if you're, you're teaching older children who are very inquisitive and they're constantly inquiring to you and you don't have answers, well, you know, they notice that. So again, I think that all teachers should know a little bit about gardening it's going to help you um, understand the, the, the concepts that you're teaching so much better. You're going to understand the importance of the scientific background. You're going to understand the kind of the philosophy of environmental education more, um, you know, and you're, you're going to become more invested in it. So, you know, where do we learn some basic knowledge? Well, you know, there's some great resources out there that I've used over the last, especially two years, that have helped me understand a lot more about gardening. And uh, those two that jump out, I mean, they're all over YouTube. Uh, one has a podcast. First of all is Joe Gardner, the Joe Gardner podcast. Um, that's hosted by a, a really amazing guy named Joe Lample. He's based out of the United States, I think around Atlanta, Georgia. And he has a YouTube channel, Joe Gardner, which is specifically about gardening tips, which is really great. Um, he's very personable. He's got a great presence. He's actually a, a national TV host. And that show, he's got a show called Growing a Greener World. And Growing a Greener World is a PBS uh, show. And it's, it's an extremely inspiring show about people out there who are really shaking it up in the world of organic farming and education and gardening and really making an incredible difference in the world of 
conservation, biodiversity, all, all those words that we hear a lot, but they're super important. We do need to hear them more. And that's all on YouTube as well, which is incredible. Is all the seasons of Growing a Greener World are on YouTube as well, on the Growing a Greener World YouTube channel. And those are all about 23 to 25-minute episodes, and they're fantastic, and they're inspiring, and there's so much to learn. So I suggest going to the Growing a Greener World YouTube channel, the Joe Gardner YouTube channel, and the uh, the Joe Gardner podcast is fantastic too. I've learned a lot. Uh, there was a recent episode all about um, using uh, grow bags, which is something that I've recently really gotten into. Uh, grow bags are a fantastic way of container gardening. They're extremely affordable. They're made of polyethylene, which means they're made of recycled plastic pet bottles. So they're great for the environment. Um, check that off. They're cheap. Check that off. Uh, they're reusable. So after a growing season, you can dump out the dirt, hose them out, dry them off, fold them up, use them for the next growing season. Um, check that off. Uh, you don't get your plants don't get root bound inside, uh, which is really fantastic because of the fact that they can breathe so well. There's a lot of aeration through the material, so there's no uh, your plants won't get root bound, which means they'll be healthier. Check that off. <laughs> so these are fantastic. Uh, another uh, great resource I found is called a YouTube channel called Callie Kim Garden and Home DIY. So, and I came across her was basically because almost any time I would type in a gardening question into YouTube, the Callie Kim channel would show up. She's based in, I believe, Southern California, but she basically talks about all just any topic under the sun when it comes to gardening. And she's a backyard gardener and a container gardener. So the, the container gardening really applies to the kind of educational setting that you're, you're in. And uh, yeah, or just, you know, your own home private life. If, if you're like me and you live in, a, in a, an apartment and you just have a balcony, or maybe, you know, you're living in a home in a big city and you don't have a lot of space to have a big garden or to have raised beds, container gardening is the way to go. Um, yeah, so, so there we go. That's a little bit about me and my kind of gardening journey um, you know, where I'm at now. Now, I'm also into a lot of other things. I've recently, you know, been, uh, we've got a beekeeping project at my school, which is something I'm going to have a guest on to talk about very soon. It's really exciting. We've got six beehives and that's, uh, there's a, a middle high school beekeeping club at our school, which is growing. I've been helping out a little bit with that. Uh, we, you know, a lot of teachers have been recruited. I'm learning with the students and other teachers how to be a beekeeper, which is fantastic. But with beekeeping too, a huge piece of that is gardening. Uh, so right now, for example, on my balcony, and I'll share some pictures with this on the um, Nature Talks Facebook group. So by the way, that'll be in the show notes, a link to the Nature Talks Facebook group. And if you're wondering what show notes are, that's all the text. Where, where if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts on your phone or on your computer or in Google Play or whatever it may be, uh, you'll look all that text under the podcast, all that information. Those are the show notes. And you'll, you'll see a link to the Nature Talks Facebook group an important place to be, to be part of the conversation. So go join that. Um, I'll, I'll share some photos of my balcony and of the bees. I'll share some photos of the beekeeping project that we've got going on. And there'll be more of that to come later. But, um, but basically at the moment, I've turned my balcony into a pollinator garden. And the reason being is that uh, the bee colonies uh, at our school are very close to where I live. So I know that my... Um, my balcony is within foraging range of our beehives, and often I see a lot of bees on my balcony. I've got a lot of lavender growing and sunflowers, and I see bees foraging there. And yes, it is December, and that's where I live, and I still got all these flowers in bloom. And uh, I, I see bees out there foraging, and I'm, I'm hoping a lot of those bees do belong to our school's uh, beehives. 
Um, so I'm going to put some pictures of that. Uh, I'll also, um, another conversation to have in time is how I have to grow a lot of things indoors now. I'm really big into indoor gardening because of the fact that I have so many pests outside that damage my crops. So right now I've got five gorgeous tomato plants growing inside my house. They're spectacular. And uh, later on in another episode, I'll talk about how I was able to harvest the seeds from some delicious sweetie cherry tomatoes I bought at the supermarket. And I was extremely successful with, with, uh, you know, taking care of those seeds and developing them and now growing them into really smoking tomato plants. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are those are the really important resources. So if you go to those basic resources, they're going to help you a lot with your gardening journey if you're new to it. Um, yeah, recently uh, I was on an episode of a, a new education podcast out there, and I want to share this out and shout this out. Uh, the Recess Duty Podcast uh, with host Levi Allison. Levi is a very passionate um, educator who is based in Asia at the moment, and he has a new podcast. And I was fortunate enough to be on episode number two of the Recess Duty Podcast. And in that episode, there will be a link in the show notes as well. And I talk kind of about my journey uh, into becoming a nature educator, an environmental educator, and all of that stuff. And I want to thank Levi for having me on that podcast. Um, continuing on, uh, if you like this podcast, of course, please give it a rating in Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. Please write a review. I would really appreciate it. It will be coming out more regularly. Join the Nature Talks Facebook group. That's going to be an important place where I'll be sharing photos, uh, resources, information about environmental education, about uh, gardening at school, different projects. I am starting a birding, a bird watching after school activity with uh, middle and high school students coming in January. So I'll take you through that journey as well. There will be a podcast episode about that as well. Um, yeah, so go join those places. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, Kevin O'Shea, um, and I'm on Twitter at mad for maple at mad for maple. I am a Canadian and I have a pretty big voice over there on Twitter as in I'm just tweeting a lot about environmental education and you'll see some things, other topics about Japan and other things. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really it. Uh, for this episode of the podcast, I've, I've been doing very well. I'm really happy to get back into this. You know, um, I started studying environmental education at Queen's University in the fall and have been really enjoying that journey uh, on hiatus now since it is a winter break in between semesters and courses. But I will be continuing um, my environmental education specialty journey coming in the spring or after I should say in the winter after in the, in the new year. And I've been learning a lot through that as well. And that's been a great ride. Yeah, so that's it for episode number two of the Nature Talks podcast. My name is Kevin O'Shea. I'm the host. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and look forward to new regular episodes coming your way. Take care, everybody. Hope you're happy. Hope you're staying safe and uh, have a wonderful holiday season wherever you are in the world. <laughs>